0: The opinions voiced in this episode of The Wiser Financial Advisor with host Josh Nelson are for general information only and not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Guests in The Wiser Financial Advisor are not affiliated with CWM LLC. Investment advisory services offer through CWM LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Wiser Financial Advisor Show with Josh Nelson, where we get real, we get honest, and we get clear about the financial world and your money. This is Josh Nelson, a certified financial planner and founder and CEO of Keystone Financial Services. We love feedback, and we'd love it if you would pass it on to me directly at josh at keystonefinancial.com. Also, please stay plugged in with us, get updates on episodes, and help us promote the podcast by rating us five stars, and also subscribing to us at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your Facebook podcast service. Let the financial fun begin. All right. Welcome everybody to Wiser Financial Advisor. Today I have with me Jamie Hopkins, who it's interesting. Jamie, not only is he a recognized writer, researcher, educator, uh, prolific author, but also he is and has been a teacher to financial advisors, including myself across the country. So he's got a unique perspective in that he has seen lots of different sides of the financial industry. And as we're recording this, we are right in the middle of a crisis. And really that's the topic for today is financial planning in a crisis. So welcome, Jamie.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's uh, you know, good to talk to you again. Yeah, that's, uh, it's Kind of a, you know, a wild time, you know, right now, as you said, kind of from a financial crisis, but, you know, right now, kind of a a much broader base crisis, right? It's really kind of impacting the financial world, but didn't start there like some other, uh, you know, downturn markets have in the past.
0: Right. Like four weeks ago, right? We were sitting here with record low unemployment. And the market at all time highs, and it looked like it was going to be a great year. And then all of a sudden, this hits, right? Just all of a sudden, we've been thrown into crisis. And really, even within the last week, it seems like every day, things have just gotten worse and worse and worse and and spiraled downwards with regard to the, uh, not only the virus, but the kind of virus of fear too, right? That's out in the marketplace,
1: yeah, and I mean, one of the things that comes up, and I've talked about this is, you know, that right now, uh, where we are right now, when we're recording this, right, is we're still in, really in kind of the fear-driven market cycle piece. So, uh, markets are showing a lot of volatility up and down, you know, buying behaviors of individuals are kind of all over the place, too. So, if you take it out just from the market, right, the toilet paper is all sold out everywhere, and, um, you know, things like that, and and we kind of make jokes about some things like that, um, but the reality is like fear is a motivating factor and emotions are actually factors too. You you often hear behavioral uh, you know, kind of quotes saying, "Hey, you need to take the emotions out of it." And interestingly enough, you know, a lot of behavioral finance experts over the last couple years have started to move away from that language. And it's it's not actually taking emotions out of it, but it's you know actually accepting the fact that we are emotional and that we do make emotional decisions. And actually, our brain actually craves for emotional data. It actually helps us make healthier decisions often, but. When we start talking about our finances, what it is, it's, it's about kind of making sure that we keep our long-term goals in picture when we're making these short-term decisions. The CEO of Risk Allies, Aaron Klein, and I were talking a little while back, and we were talking about this notion that we actually don't make long-term decisions. All of our decisions are short-term decisions. They just impact long-term goals. So really what we're doing when we're trying to mitigate fear-based decisions is making sure we're keeping our long-term goals in picture when we're making those short-term decisions because everything's about what am I going to eat today, buy today, spend today, invest in today, right? We we very rarely actually make anything that counts as a long-term decision.
0: Sure. And in our audience too, we have a lot of engineers, a lot of uh, tech workers, people that are pretty logical people, I I think they would say. And a lot of people think the area of finance is pretty black and white and that emotions don't come into it. And Uh, I I think we've all seen that in the last four weeks, if we didn't believe it before, that money is a very emotional topic.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it's relatively, as you said, like a lot of people think, oh, the finance world's, you know, this non-emotional area, you know, honestly, that's the first, you know, uh, you know, economics, all the traditional theories kind of ignored emotions and behavior. And right, that's the efficient market hypothesis and theories. And it's just basically people, there's information and people react to it. And then as all those theories got tested over the years, what happened was there was always more noise. There was more volatility than traditional economic theories would suggest. And that's really what created behavioral finance. And actually this study of how does information as it's presented to people impact decisions. And the biggest one is, right, we're risk averse. We don't like losing things we don't like you know pain and suffering so we tend to make decisions that where we believe we're kind of mitigating or avoiding pain or loss so you know that's a it's actually fairly normal when people say oh it's irrational don't sell when the market's going down but to protect yourself from further losses it's how people think that they're doing that and so that's how people react and um, you know it's actually quite logical even though it might be harmful for your long-term goals and that's kind of Getting back to? Are we putting the right information, processes, and systems in front of somebody to encourage decision making so we can achieve the long term things that we want to achieve?
0: So, during a crisis, and of course it could be any kind of a crisis, this just happens to be the one that we're in. It's a health crisis. But what are some of the most common mistakes that people make when thrown into a crisis, especially a really sudden one, right? This was probably the most unexpected recession ever.
1: Yeah so definitely right from we're probably in a recession right now it's very hard to believe that <laughs> growth will not be down right for a couple of quarters uh you know going from a bear mar- you know from a bull market to bear market that was the fastest we've ever seen um yeah and you know, a lot of that, again, had to do with uncertainty and fear. It really wasn't based on numbers when things dropped. Like, we actually, when we're shooting this at the, you know, end of March, we really don't have data yet on, you know, the economics and companies. I mean, we, we kind of know what's happening as we're starting to shut down the economy. But we're not actually having number-driven trading now at this point. Um, one of the things, though, is they say, like, what are the biggest mistakes people make? I mean – the reality is right now is a lot of uncertainty. I kind of said it a couple weeks ago too, like we're at the beginning of this news cycle of uncertainty though. So people are just getting very conservative with their spending, right? With their investing, all of those things pulling back from risk because there's so much other risk on the table. And to some degree, like, that's that's reasonable and it's very hard to tell somebody during a pandemic um that you're you know that you're being that you're that you're taking like right not enough risk i mean it's a uh You know, (laughs) I I think that's a little tough. So uh, one thing, it's like very much like understand your emotions are important. I think right now we're we're mostly trying to figure out, you know, how are businesses, how are the economy, how are people going to get back to work in a safe manner? And, you know, that's very important from your financial standpoint, if you were doing planning and you had the right plan in place, it doesn't necessarily mean the stay the course is always a hundred percent, but that you had a course to be on and you can reevaluate that at this point. But for a lot of people from an investment standpoint, you can kind of stay the course, you know, I can use my own example here. Like I haven't made a single trade on any of my own assets since this has occurred and we're at the, you know, basically the end of March and I don't plan on it. I don't plan on readjusting my uh, investment allocation at any point. Um, um, I'm fairly young and I had still about a 30-year investment time horizon. So um, that doesn't mean I won't see opportunities at some point um, or something that I can do. Uh, but for right now, I'm still pretty much riding the course I was on um, from an investment standpoint. Now, from a personal standpoint, I, I've definitely cut back spending or at least I'm more conscious of spending at this point. I think that that highlights the importance of having liquidity and emergency funds um, available. And I think that's probably one of the things that a crisis like this will highlight for people is, you know, your risk tolerance. And were you kind of prepared from an emergency fund standpoint?
0: So coming into this, of course, there are a lot of people that already had an emergency fund, and they had their debt paid down and so forth. Uh, now, a lot of people who felt really financially secure, again, four weeks ago, that they're starting to question that, Outside of investing, what are some of the moves do you think that people should make? In other words, like how much should people be keeping in cash right now? Or, or should they be hoarding cash? Talking about hoarding uh, toilet paper and food and things like that. But should they be hoarding cash? To what extent is it just overkill?
1: Yeah, I mean, so this is, you know, to some degree what we call a guesstimate, right? We're trying to take data in, look at where things are, and come up with, you know, some intelligent estimate of where the future is going to go. Often you hear have, you know, maybe six months in cash. Right now, you can make a very good argument as you're hearing things from the president and the CDC that this could be a year long type of crisis that all of a sudden having a year of, uh, and I don't always necessarily think cash is the answer but a year long of spending opportunity. Um, So that could be, right, some people have cash value life insurance. Cash value life insurance could be a piece here. Having, you know, I've, you know, suggested using Roth savings Uh, you know, there is borrowing opportunities out there now, too, with literally rates at almost zero. I mean, uh, if you're a business owner, we're seeing some possibility that there's going to be some interest-free loans for them available from the federal government, right? So that's another way to, you know, add to your cash reserves, right? So there's going to be different opportunities, but it's kind of just looking at cash flow. And I think looking out at a year time frame is somewhat reasonable. Um, Generally speaking, we're still going to encourage encourage people away from, as you said, hoarding cash, going to all cash. Um, Some people have done that, you know, we've got advisors that have helped clients move to that way. And to some degree, it's, you know, uh, I I guess you can make some arguments there that, you know, it's, it's that, you know, to some degree, it's still based on your goals. And if you feel better, and you can accomplish your goals with that, I mean, it's an option. Uh, Finding good returns on safe income now is pretty hard. So there aren't, in some other financial crisis, you could still go to corporate bonds and municipality bonds and, and solid bond returns during down markets, and a lot of that's not really available right now. It's pretty hard to chase that yield. So, uh, you know, I, I think that that it, it's not an easy one because this is very different from a. You know we're actually looking at a global event economic downturn, not a financial economic downturn right now. And global event downturns are a little bit more challenging. I mean, that's like World War Two would be a great example. We're also looking, uh, you know, as you mentioned before, nine eleven, especially in certain areas were hit very hard by that. Obviously, New York City was, and you know, the East Coast uh, more so than the, perhaps the West Coast and Texas during that time frame. And you know, similar crises after. Hurricanes in certain areas, right? Natural disasters, uh, similar lo- local type events, but this could be a worldwide economic event, which is uh, an health event, which is very different than what we've seen in the past. So, I think that. To some degree, recognizing people's fear and uncertainty during this time point is actually very healthy. Um, as much as we can, from an investment standpoint, reevaluate that for our goals. But you know, it's it's going to challenge a lot of people's, as you said, emergency funds and and kind of risk levels uh, over the next couple months.
0: So, looking at different life stages, we've got a broad audience here, right? We've got people that are still in college, all the way up to people who are well retired what are some different things people should be thinking about based on different life stages? Say, if we were to carve it out, maybe somebody who's early in their career, uh, somebody who's middle career, and then maybe somebody who is uh, is retired at this point.
1: It, yeah. So when you start looking across those, when you're looking at a economic downturn, it always looks like a risk, and when you come out the other side, it tends to look like it was an opportunity, right? So right now, for those younger individuals, I mean, obviously, staying employed, staying healthy is important across the board. Um, but you know, for younger individuals, the actual buying into the market now, you know, we can't time the bottom, but as you buy in through an economic downturn, as things go back up. And it could be an, you know a while, we're not sure if we'll get a V or a U curve on the recovery, whether it'll bounce right back up or whether it'll take a couple years. But buying on the downswing is actually a very valuable way for younger investors with a long time horizon to actually grow their wealth. So it's an opportunity on that side, obviously, right, as I said, staying employed, staying healthy are important to be able to do that. Um, then you kind of think about for that group too, it's it's minimizing taking on debt that kind of cripples you in the future. I mean, that's the stuff that really puts you behind. So the credit card payments, things like that, don't become over leveraged. Um, so meeting those payments so you don't fall behind is really important. As we kind of move more to mid-career people, uh, I, I think that's a really useful time period too, to just not make those big mistakes on You know, as much as you can ride the course in that group, I think is important, right? You still have some time. It doesn't necessarily have to feel like an opportunity, but we've got to avoid, again, the really bad decisions there. And this hopefully is kind of one of those, you know, kicks that says, hey, look, we've got to be really serious about our risk tolerance levels, not just now, but here in the future. Now, when you get closer to retirees, this should be a very good example that it's about income, it's not all about assets and that what's a lot better right now to know that you had secure income in place. So whether it was, uh, I saw a thing on the uh, on Twitter online the other day and I kind of commented on it, which was about a, a basically a bond fund that dropped almost 20% in a single day during this time period. And I, you know, I always talk about this bond funds are not bonds. And it's a very different thing for investors to understand while you're accumulating wealth bond funds in the long run will function more similarly to bonds. But if you're generating income from your assets, there's very There's a huge difference between investing in a bond fund or investing in individual bonds and bond laddering for your income. If you're bond laddering for your income and the rates are changing and the markets are changing and there's liquidity pools, your bond is still going to mature and pay out the income you need, right? Like that doesn't change but bond funds, which we're seeing right now, where they're being forced to sell because people are cashing out, they're actually losing value because they're having to sell during this time period. And so when you're looking at your allocation, when you're nearing retirement, actually understanding, are these assets really primed for income generation? Or are they just a allocation piece? Because you know that's the same thing like being in a target day fund. You know, Maybe you're 60-40, but you can't pick and choose one of those two when you sell them. You just sell a mix of all of them when you sell your target day fund, right? I can't, I can't piece those out. So it's kind of one of the reasons that actually for retirees, we actually will move away from, in some cases, mutual funds and target day funds and move to more individual positions because we actually gain more flexibility for generating income at that point.
0: Okay. And what advice would you give somebody? We've got, graduation coming up right and there's probably no graduation ceremonies this time around at least not physical uh, graduation ceremonies what advice would you give to a smart driven college student about to enter the real world in the you know dis- despite the crisis that's going on right now what would you tell them
1: Yeah, I mean, I think if you're entering the real world right now, it's, you know, one, hopefully you've got a job. And two, uh, I think that a very useful thing entering the real world and you're you're moving to your first job is to continue to live like a student for a while. What does that mean? It means don't spend a whole lot. Your cash flow, if you get that first job, might be more than you're spending. You know, live like a student for longer and that's going to help out a lot. And that just means, you know, uh, be smart about your spending. And, you know, there's, I I remember a lot of you know, students kind of first year out and, you know, kind of splurging on a lot of unnecessary things that first year. Um, and obviously, that's useful to the economy to some degree, you're, you're putting money back into the system. But, you know, saving, investing is also useful for the economy, and especially long run, um, just getting yourself in kind of a secure place. I think that's really important. I would also say for a lot of, you know, early investors, right, really do, uh, right, consider Roth savings options, whether it's in your 401k or the Roth, Roth IRA. You know, if you're early in your career, you're probably paying very low income taxes. So that tax deduction that comes along with an IRA or 401k traditional is not as powerful at that point. Um, So, you know, think about Roth savings, right? Be careful on your spending, right? And try to just get to that point. The only way you really accumulate money over time is if you spend less than you make. I mean, that's the simple trick of all of it. Spend less than you make. (laughs) So if You start off, you know, as a healthy way, there and you're employed, and now's a great opportunity too. If you have 30, 40 years to actually be putting money into a market and buying during a downswing. Again, a lot of people keep, you know, they want to figure out, well, I want to buy at the bottom. There's no great way to do that. Um, so instead, you know, buying during a downswing can be beneficial if you can afford it. You know, it's not saying everyone in the world needs to be doing that. There's a reason why it's swinging down, but if you have that opportunity, take advantage of it.
0: And again, you've been a, a professor for a number of years and probably had thousands of students over the years. Uh, to those same students, what would you say? What advice should they ignore?
1: What advice should they ignore? Yes. <laughs> of my advice?
0: Uh, Not your advice, but what advice, what's some of the most common advice out there that's just bad advice that the young people might hear or might come across, what should they be ignoring?
1: Oh, so so I actually have, you know, I have something on this too, I think is uh, something people should ignore. Um, it, There's there's a good bit of advice out there that'll tell you to stay away from debt completely. Um, you know, there's obviously risk associated with debt. But generally speaking, like there's a lot of useful ways to use debt and leverage. I mean, you know, as I said, borrowing to get through college or law school. And especially when you're looking out to the world right now, I mean, interest rates and debt rates, now not credit card rates for whatever credit cards are a whole different thing. So, uh, but other debt is really cheap right now. Um, you know, so, it, you know, buying a house, right. And, you know, getting a mortgage at less than, you know, 3% interest rate is actually not necessarily a bad strategy, right. Um, a lot of people say the student loans. Well, you know, again, some of the student loan interest is down to 2%. I've met somebody that has less than 1% interest on their student loan. I mean, that's, you know, that's debatable, whether that's bad debt. So just kind of knowing that you can use borrowing in a useful way, but you've got to be very cognizant of right cash flow to repay it. And also the interest rates like credit card debt is really high. And even though interest rates have kept coming down, 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 I actually think at the end of 2019 credit card rates hit like a 20 year high on interest. So they're not moving with the rest of uh, rates and borrowing. So uh, be aware of using credit cards inappropriately, but other debt can actually be used in a positive way.
0: And then on the flip side, I think is, again, for somebody who's retired, uh, and again, they might feel some anxiety. Surprisingly enough, though, you know, what we've experienced in our office is that we're really not having the phone ring off the hook right now. Even in the midst of a crisis, we're not having the phone ring off the hook. We're not getting inundated with emails. Uh, from clients, and many of them, when we get on the phone with them, they say, yeah, w- but we've been through crises before, we've been through the financial crisis, we've been through 9 eleven, right? We've been through other stuff and, and we just have faith that things will be okay in the end. For somebody who maybe they don't have that opinion though, right? Maybe they're uh, they've got some anxiety, maybe they've been uh, watching too much news, right? and and so they are you know almost a state of panic. What advice would you give somebody who's overwhelmed or, or unfocused? to kind of turn that what, what could they do to get in a better place
1: Yeah. And I mean, a lot of that tends to come with planning, right? Like you're saying, here's a group that's not all that worried. And one of the reasons is they've been doing planning with you and preparing for this for years. You know, we also, you know, I sit over top of a coaching group here at Carson group now too. And right. Like the people calling in there, our advisors are not panicking. And some of the things they're saying to the coaches are, you know, yeah, we've been preparing for this right (laughs) for years. Like we're ready for this. It doesn't mean
0: you're going to be this, (laughs) but Yeah.
1: yeah, Yes. <laughs> but yeah, you, but you prepare for the unknown unknowns, right? right. We know something's going to happen. We just don't know what it is or what it is. And that's why it's a risk. Um, but, you know, we're kind of just preparing for that. And so I think most people who are feeling really caught flat-footed, uh, you know, really don't have preparation or planning for this. So uh, I also think a bigger group of them are going to be business owners um, or people worried about employment, right? So I think you can plan and you can ride out the investment pieces. The business side, right, takes a different level of sophistication. What can your business do, whether it's furloughing people, cutting expenses, you know, interest free loans for a year and coming up with a repayment thing. To keep the doors open, do you have to cut your margins for a little bit just to kind of get work to keep people employed and keep moving forward? Um, You know, those are things that you have to look at, and a lot of people just don't have the right support structure, advisor, you know, coaches in place to walk through all of that. Um, But I do think that's really what it gets down to: is if you do some planning, you'll be in a better situation, and that's not just reacting to what's occurring, but actually being proactive and planning.
0: And what should be people uh, and this is the last question, but what should people be paying attention to and again it's isn't necessarily just because of covid nineteen, but in any kind of a crisis, I think the tendency and myself as well right it's it's kind of hard to ignore, but the tendency is to get plugged into uh, the news and social media, and overwhelmingly that stuff is is negative, even if it's true stuff, right It's overwhelmingly negative. really what should people be focusing on? right now in any kind of a crisis, maybe uh, news sources or what should they not be focusing on?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's kind of tying together, probably one of the first things I said and back to now. So, I mean, one is I, I'm a planner, I lead with planning. So what is your planning? What is your process, right? A lot of people keep telling me that they're stressed, they're worried, you know, all these things. And then I kind of ask them, "Well, what have you done? What are you thinking about? What are you planning?" And a lot of people don't have much of a plan. They're worried, they're concerned, but they don't really have a process in place to bring in information, set things up, and deal with the "what ifs." What if you don't have a job in two months? Well, how much cash do you have? Are there any other ways you think you can? You know, spend your time, uh, you know, invest back in yourself at that point, whether it's school, it's studying, it's writing the book that uh, somebody told me that's the number one uh, goal of Americans every year is actually to write a book. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> that, that, that's something, right? Write it down say, hey, I'm going to work on that. Um, you know, whatever it is, but start laying out the things you want to be proactive about. So a lot of people are very reactionary and, and worried, but then don't have a proactive plan. So I'd say work on that proactive plan. And that can be personal, it could be about your family, it could be about your finances, your business, but you know, work on that, write it down. Um, that's the kind of main thing that I would tell people when entering a crisis, think about some of the what ifs and plan out. Um, I think I have a would three, two months, six months and year that I wrote out um, since this all started plan. So, and that's important because that's the taking yourself from the short term to the long term. Mm. And, you know, to some degree, the short term is harder to figure out. Like, it's harder for me to figure out where we're going to be in two months than from a year from today. Um, a year seems a little clearer. Two months seems pretty uncertain. Um, you know, you might feel like you've got a good gauge of the week, (laughs) but that time period after kind of two weeks to two months, I think often feels kind of a blind spot for most people.
0: Yeah, it seems like hour by hour right now, things are changing. And, uh, you know, when there is a crisis, that's always how it seems. I remember back in 9-11, the financial crisis, it was uh, it was pretty crazy. But I think if we all have faith that in the end, everything is okay, right? Things like this do happen, even though they may be devastating, they may have a huge impact on people, we will get past them. Yeah, So. so. Yeah, well, thanks, Jamie. I know you're extremely busy right now, um, especially with all the, the craziness going on. So thanks for uh, taking time and uh, thanks for helping our audience. Yep, always great to talk to you. This episode has been prepared for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide and should not be relied upon for tax, legal, or accounting advice. You should consult your own tax, legal, and accounting advisors. Investment advisory services offer through Keystone Financial Services and SEC Registered Investment Advisor.